My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of FI Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or a detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, what would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. Good morning. This is KRFF 95.9 LPFM. Uh, you're listening to One Pretty Ricky, and I am joined with uh, Kirsten Huvenin and Adam Martin. This is the F5 Recovery Radio. Super, super happy that all of you are tuning in with us. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing Wednesday that we get to spend together and get to share and talk all things recovery and all things amazing and really cool. How are you guys feeling today? Yeah, good. good. <laughs> Just got to perk up here. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so if you tuned in last week, uh, last week we talked about some mentorship, which was mentorship, sponsorship, all the different things that kind of go along and go into recovery, which is really cool. And this week we are trying to find a different topic, just something to share, really give our lived experience. And before we kind of give in, get into it, just want to obviously let everyone know that we have varying years of recovery and all the different things that we share. We're very proud to be able to talk about and be able to talk about those different things. But we're in no wise the experts. Adam might, you know, say otherwise, but uh, we're just, <laughs> but, you know, that's where we're at. You know, just really be able to tell people this is our experience. This is what we're, this is what we think. And of course, hoping that we can give you something that you can take away and you can be like, wow, that was really deep. Cause I love that Kirsten, like before we got on, she was like, people were like, wow, I really enjoyed you. And, I, and she's like, I don't know what I said. <laughs> yeah. Now I kind of want to puke before every show. So, <laughs> Yeah. So this week's uh, show, our topic uh, with it being Giving Hearts Day tomorrow and Valentine's Day is coming up next week. I thought, you know, let's try to theme it around just some, you know, love and heart and all that. So today's topic is all about self-love and self-care. Uh, two very important things when it comes to your recovery and and being able to you know take care of yourself before taking care of others. So I'm uh, interested to kind of talk about that to kind of dive in and and see. So Adam's going to be getting our Facebook live up. So if you're tuning on the radio and you have to get to work, um, feel free to jump on Facebook. We'll be on Facebook live. You can kind of see us and see how we're doing and uh, all the things. So yeah, so self love and and self care. You know, I guess obviously that's important. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, for me, uh, I think that was one of the things that I've always kind of had prior to, you know, recovery was always kind of this self-love wasn't there. That Let me take the back. Self-care was always there. Um, it was always, I think that was something maybe for my dad, maybe my mom. I don't know who kind of just instilled that, but it was always like, take care of yourself, take care of your body, drink a lot of water, you know, do all the things. And so that kind of was so ingrained that even an active addiction it was always like okay i'm gonna go to the salon and get my nails done okay i'm gonna go and get my hair cut i'm gonna go um play video games that was always you know something really big like nintendo was like always like 
my like kind of self-care like type thing hunt. yeah uh-huh we got our I remember we got our first like super nintendo we had like super mario world and me and my dad would stay up late and my mom didn't like it but we'd stay up late and like play video games and so like all of those things were just so much a part of i feel like who i was and so when when i you know fell into addiction if you will um it was always kind of like that's something i want to continue to keep keep going and kind of keep doing which so did all of that fall to the wayside when you were betting your life away (laughs) i think it was definitely something i did more or i did less of because i was like okay a lot of the things that you know i did with self-care was it all cost money you know there's (laughs) obviously ways to like you know have self-care and you know without it but it was really difficult to be able to spend money on like you know my haircuts and other things when it's like man at this 25 dollars i'm spending on this haircut could easily be a round of blackjack or could easily be you know just a uh, bin of pull tabs or something so it was kind of hard to like just still keep doing it when it's like man i could really use this money for something quote-unquote better right? yeah like yeah. food <laughs> yeah like food that's that's eggs. pretty mm-hmm. right I know. now eggs yeah, eggs right now <clears throat> so what about for you like anything that's you kind of um i uh my parents are amazing and they would breathe for me if they could for sure but they definitely um worked so hard and i don't know that if like you know, getting massages, nothing like that was modeled, you know, just, sure. just didn't do that then. Mm-hmm. Um, but spending time together was, and, uh, um, I don't know. My dad did a lot of like lessons when he'd butcher something, you know, it was like, that was his, our time together. <laughs> but I think that, uh, all of that obviously falls to the wayside when you're in active addiction. And then, um, in my recovery, it just looks a little bit different. Like initially when I think self-care, I think, oh, spa, blah, you know, but that's kind of, um, mm. that's kind of a high class, bougie relaxation. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm right. sure when Adam was walking barefoot in corduroys for 10 miles or you were on the front page of the paper, you weren't thinking spa, you know right. what I mean? Yep. Um, but <clears throat> once you kind of make peace with like, okay, I have this, I have this addiction. It's um, part of who I am. Then your self-care changes a little bit. I think if my goal with self-care is to feel calmer and more at ease at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. then it can't be, then I can't be Netflix and self-pity. It can't be like, Mm. I just need more time alone. And um, I, I would say like, well, I'm an introvert, so I, you know, can't go anywhere. I have social anxiety. And those are not, you know, disabilities. They're things I know about myself so that I can take steps mm-hmm. to overcome those things. You know, like if um, if I didn't have arms and I was drinking, I would find a way to drink, you know. Right. So, but self-care now looks like... Um, like, I got to answer my phone. I got to be where I say mm, I'm going to be. Yeah. I got to have to have that accountability. And because um, if I don't, I can't enjoy the time when it's quiet anyway. You know, like right. I got to spend time with my kids and whatever. Of course, there's times when <clears throat> I go in my sauna and blast nine inch nails. That makes me feel sleepy. So, you have uh, a sauna? Yeah. Oh. 
in that's your cool. house? Yeah. Oh. Wow, that's cool. I know. I made it. It's not like <laughs> just like a hot shower? No. <laughs> like rocks and everything. Steam. That's crazy. Did Matt build it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I put it together. You did? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Like real rocks? and Yeah. Well, I suppose rocks aren't hard to come by. No. Okay. They get hot and then steamy and... So what do you like put wood in there and like no, it's start electric. it on fire? No, it's just a 110. You plug it in. Oh. Some lady in a different tax bracket than me didn't like how it looked in her place, so I got it pretty oh. cheap. The electric or like... Yeah, it's you a bought sauna. the entire room and then moved it to your house? Well, it's like a... It's well, what do I compare it to? It's like a closet kind of oh. or a porta potty, like twice as big as a porta potty. Oh. And it just plugs into the wall and it heats up and then you if you want steam, you have steam, but it gets up to like one seventy, so oh. oh snap. Yeah. That's cool. You do this often? Yeah. Oh. It's winter. Yeah. <clears throat> Is it outside? No. Oh. But that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, that'd be a little yeah, harder no, to plug it in, closet. though. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, you, so that's something to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested in this. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's I've go to my it. house after I've, this. I've <laughs> only known one other person that had a sauna in their house, and they had it built when they built their house. Mm. So it was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, if you have the... Were they a big deal? Well, <laughs> I mean, define well, big deal. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyway, um, all right. I got the Facebook Live up. Sweet. There we it go. It just kept stopping out. It would go like three, two, one. And then not start. And then just stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Talking about self care and self love. Oh, so starting with self care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just said stuff that would change your life, but I guess you missed it. Yeah, just dropping pearls. <sighs> I, uh, we talked about this kind of. Like, because really what self-care and self-love is, is coping, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, In my opinion, mm-hmm. is it for people like us, I think, because that's the only time it's really ever talked about is when is is when you're getting overwhelmed, right? Or uh, things are going sideways. Like, at least in my in my life, that's when I talk about it, because guys aren't really prone to talking about self-care and self-love. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's probably more along the lines of like, I feel like I need to provide more, you know, whether it's financial or, you know, last night I went to the grocery store and I was like, this is the modern day hunting, <laughs> you know, like going to the grocery store and buying food and then bringing it home mm-hmm. is like, imagine like where we'd be at today if we had to like go out and get our own food, you know, like, and like get a deer yeah. Bring it back to the house and do all the processing of, of like <laughs> being able to feed the family. Like I never would have made it <laughs> back in the day. I would have I would have enjoyed going out and getting uh, the deer. Yeah. And then I would have brought it home and I'd be like, Well Now what? No. But my fam like my uncles and stuff, they love doing that mm-hmm. stuff. They like hanging the deer and like mm-hmm. cut, you know, whatever. And I just I I, I watch my I was like, No, that's not for me. And so I would have not fended well back then <laughs> i saw this comedian the other day he's like imagine millennials in the vietnam war you know like 
They would, <laughs> or in the Civil War, been like, you know, Confederate selfie, you know, like, <laughs> or there's too much pollen out there, you know, or whatever. Like, I'm a millennial, so I can make fun of millennials. So if there's people out there that are getting weird about it, elder millennial for those. I'm not an on Facebook elder life. millennial. Mm-hmm. I'm at the cutoff. Eighty one. Mm-hmm. Eighty one is the beginning of or the end of millennials, right. from what Google says. Mm-hmm. So. I'm like a high. I'm a hybrid between two generations. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I know how tech works, and I work hard. Right. So. Oh yeah, it's a good combo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you like tied that in. Like, just yeah. circle that out. Like, yeah. I'm an elder millennial. It's, anyway, it's cool. Like, so you know, last you know, last night in in relapse prevention, we were just talking about, you know, when does it feel normal? Mm-hmm. Like, when do I get to start feeling normal? Because it's like. If I'm not drinking, I'm just filled with anxiety all the time. And I'm not even, it's not even like a self-care, self-love thing mm-hmm. so much because I'm not really, I mean, you know, and mo- maybe some people, they just get really right into work when they sober up or they get really into mm-hmm. working out or whatever. They always find this one thing where it's just like, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's the next shiny thing. It's the yeah. next shiny thing. That's all yeah. it is. Like I've, you know, I think working out's important for people some people (laughs) (laughs) i you know i get i get a lot more self-care out of like spending time with you know someone i don't know that's like you know well like for example bill wilson and dr bob right like when bill wilson showed up there to meet dr bob like bob had heard it all right like he was he was pretty Mm -hmm. spent on the whole people wanting him to get sober Right. Like it was like it was I mean, in modern day times, which that's so weird to say compared to like that time. But uh, it would be probation officers and psychologists Mm -hmm. and judges and all the people who are getting super involved with like, you know, trying to get people sober. But they're just punishing them in a sense or guilt tripping them or shaming them. You know, it's there's no real message of like hope or help. Or whatever, mm-hmm. and so then when so when he got there, he was like, "Billy, you got like fifteen minutes, bro. <laughs> I've heard it all. I've done it all." And he's and Bill was like, totally shifted the conversation. He was like, "I'm not here for you. I'm here for me," and that intrigued Bob, and he's been sober ever since. Yeah, you know. So it was his Bill's self care was it was other care. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But in in a in a way not like going in like doing everything for them or anything like that but just going in like connecting yeah. i think community is self care yeah i it it has to be yeah. in addiction it has to be mm-hmm. cuz me thinking more about me is only going to make this worse and so um to just like find a place where you can do a random act of kindness it doesn't have to be a a big deal but um i remember first going to meetings and and talking with my sponsor about I am my finances are all screwed up I'm broke I uh you know don't know what to do and then she'd say well go shake hands and I'd think you didn't hear me my finances (laughs) am I asking these people for money while I shake hands or what (laughs) anyway but all of those things all of the big traumas and all of the things you can't fix all of that right away you just you, but you have to connect with people, and I think um, if you're not un, if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, you're not going to get better because it's going to be uncomfortable. Because you have to, yeah. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not getting better. And I think that's, you know, flipped into my whole life. When uh, if anybody's ever like, we should go, and like my husband signed me up to chaperone a trip 
to Florida with like 150 band and choir kids. And then he had to work and got sick. So anyway, um, but I was so (laughs) uncomfortable. I felt like I was 13 again. I'm like, I don't know who to talk to. This is going to be awful. And I ended up making two of the best friends that I have. Mm -hmm. You know, they, um, I sat with these two ladies on, on the plane that were just as inappropriate as me. And I thought, we can hang. This will yep. be awesome. But yeah, you just have to be willing to do that or you just don't get better, you know? I think particularly, I said it right. Yep. <laughs> I struggle with long words. <laughs> uh, I think uh, for addicts and alcoholics <laughs> or those who struggle with mental health or whatever, and I think mental health, it's really, really missing out with people who have a mental health diagnosis that may not be an addict or an alcoholic. Um, there's not a lot of like recovery Mm-mm. assets or resources mm-hmm. in the community as much as there is for people who are able to go to 12-step meetings or smart recovery or mm-hmm. you know the church or whatever. Um, but particularly with us, it's like, you know, it's nice to go out and do random, you know, nice things for like complete strangers and stuff. And I think there's like some, there's some Mm self-worth that comes from that and self-care, but you know, I get a way more out of like being, you know, having purpose along with it. Right. Right. So like, you know, I, you know, finding people who are just like me that, struggle with alcoholism Mm -hmm. and being you know of service to them or random acts of kindness for them or whatever it there's a there's purpose behind it because i like i can like i know what to say Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like there's a it's not just like kindness it's like purpose driven kind kindness but in a selfish way because i'm doing it because because there's something i get out of it Mm -hmm. for me whether it's mentally Mm-hmm. or spiritually or something like that. I can do that for old ladies across the street or whatever, you know, like it's not really my purpose though. That's more of a, a byproduct of my purpose. Jerk, yeah. yeah. I'm just right. not being a jerk, you know, or seeing a guy that's, you know, on the street with a cup or something like that, you know, giving him, you know, some cash or, you know, or f- take him out to eat or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. he probably is. A good chance addict or alcoholic or has some kind of diagnosis but i just get more out of that mm-hmm. than i mean i went to the psych ward for i mean i both i've been there for both myself and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know to go help others or whatever but like when i was like three months sober there was nobody taking you know the recovery meeting into the psych ward mm-hmm. anymore and they asked me if i wanted to do it and i was like i'm like three months sober i don't even know how i'm gonna get here mm-hmm. you know and but I just said yeah, and I did it, and I did it for eighteen months, and nobody stayed sober. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it makes you feel like you're like, oh, mm-hmm. what really is my purpose? And and I talked to you know my sponsor about it, and I was just like, nobody's staying sober, it's pointless. Maybe I'm just not the guy to do this, you know, because I was like outcome based mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. you know, and and the outcome I was looking for was like the ego outcome of like being able to say I sobered people up or whatever. And I was like, nobody's staying sober. And then he was like, but you are. And that shift happened. Like I stayed here long enough for me to realize that like it works. And, and, and ever since then I've never, I wouldn't say I've never cared if people have gotten sober, 
but I've never cared about the outcome as much as the effort put into it for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and ever since I've stayed sober, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't think I could have done that if I, my purpose, like if I thought my purpose was just to walk old ladies across the street. Yeah, no. Like, and stand by the curb and just wait. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. nice, but boring. <laughs> yeah, not going to get much out of it. I'm glad your day's better and you didn't get hit by a car. You know. If Ricky could, was with, we could put bets on they make it. <laughs> <laughs> They'd probably not let him help. Uh, like, no. they'd be, you know, but, uh, but there's just more purpose. And I think as long as you have a community and you have purpose and you have effort, that's probably the magic sauce right there. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's hard to like my my thing is like effort, attitude and trust. But I mean, a lot of times, like you're just kind of winging it on like helping people or whatever. And you like, you know, yeah. do you trust me? Like you like trust really isn't a factor as right. much as it's like probably faith, mm-hmm. like faith in 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 the process yeah. of like just being helpful. Yeah, I have faith in you, but I'm still going to hang on to my purse. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> Yeah, if you're just tuning in, this is a KRFF 95.9 LPFM. Uh, this is F5 Recovery Radio. We'll, of course, thank the F5 Project for being our sponsor and helping us be able to have this show. It's super awesome to be able to talk about recovery on the radio, which is really cool. So our today's topic, we're talking about self-care and self-love. Uh, this is one pretty Ricky and joining my co-hosts, Kirsten Hoovenen and Adam Martin. Uh, so a question for you both. I want to kind of transition. Did you That's what we're going to call it. Oh, the Can nicknames. Can we go town? I think we should call you Hoover Deuce. Hoover Deuce? That's horrifying. <laughs> I hate that's really that's awful. That's the gang in California. No, I don't start calling her Tookie. Hoover Deuce? <laughs> like vacuum Ooh. a turd? No. <laughs> I, oh, I, I guess of I that. never thought yeah. of that either. Yeah. No. Uh, no, apparently bad, Scott College bad. is here with dad jokes. <laughs> so. Hey, what do you say to the guy that invented oh. the, the number zero? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be Good. thanks for nothing. What? It's supposed to, it's supposed to be thanks for nothing. Oh, Could yeah, that would have been better. That's oh, okay. <laughs> You're a mom. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That was for Scott. That's a shout oh, out to Scott. Yeah. Shout out Scott I like College. his jokes. Mm-hmm. I, I've been telling this one that nobody's been able to get until I explain it. And it's 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 horrifying to me that I have to explain it. <laughs> Batman and Robin are stranded on the side of the road, and Robin says the the Batmobile won't start. And Batman says, "Did you ch- charge the battery?" And he said, "What's the Terry?" Well, battery. Oh, battery. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> why you have to explain it? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Lame. I yeah. got it right away, but I'm a Batman fan, so I got it. Like battery. Huh. No, he, he's yeah, not like the bat coolest. Phone, yeah. Yeah. Batmobile. Yeah. Bat signal. Yeah. Battery. Mm-hmm. The more you say it, the more I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for you guys on Facebook Live, you should. You got it. So, uh, so go the, on with your show, Ricky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the next question for talking about self care and self love is: Can you is setting boundaries? a type of self-care and self-love because you guys talk both have talked about like your purpose and helping other people and whether they find recovery or not a lot of that so then is there too much help and then you know and then is it taking away from being able to provide love for yourself 
in your own in your own stories like is it like all right i need to set this i need to i need to want to help this lady across the street but i'm not going to help five ladies across the street right like setting a boundary like okay i can oh, only boundaries. do boundaries yeah so much is that a, is that and that's part of yourself it's huge. The worst it's person good. to ask about boundaries well, well that's why we talk about it yeah, yeah. i uh I think it's hard, especially if you have like somebody who's chemically dependent or addicted to gambling or whatever in your life. Um, but the healthy boundaries are make it so that you can be happy no matter what they decide to do. Because really, ultimately, if their journey is to um, fall flat on their face, then I have to respect that and, you know, be kind anyway. And <clears throat> I think that um, I'm sure... Sarah will hate this, but um, when Sarah lived with us and she struggled with staying sober for a while there, and I think uh, because we had been in the program and because we had people go before us that had already done this, we were able to say, like, I can love you completely and still have healthy boundaries. Like, don't bring anything here, but if you need a place to crash... You're always welcome here. I won't ask questions. I just want you to be safe. And um, whenever you decide to be back here, I love you no matter what, you know. But I can't um, can't take any of the things that they do personal. And I have to still enjoy my life, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can love someone unconditionally and say no. I think once you have kids, mm-hmm. you figure that out, like... Yeah, it's really hard for families to understand that. Yeah. Like the whole concept of just letting people be, right? Encouraging good behavior, ignoring the negative behavior. And I mean, there's just as much probably hurt and trauma and sickness, right? For a loved one in when they don't even have to do anything. Yeah. They just have to like be in that journey and it's like I probably get more phone calls from in some days like from family members who are struggling with their loved one's addiction or incarceration or Mm -hmm. mental health or whatever and usually it's 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 family members that you know want them to be better and so that they love them so much that mm-hmm. they are almost to the point where they're willing to do absolutely everything for them mm-hmm. so that they almost don't tra- have to travel the journey, right? Or they just have such uh, low expectations mm-hmm. that it creates a, a really high level of judgment, Yeah. right? So like the judgment increases, okay. the lower the, 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 uh, the expectation is, Right. Mm-hmm. So when they don't hit that expectation, they're yeah. actually way more punitive than they would have been with a, a like a normal expectation. So I usually just tell family members to Got just it. lose all expectations or have, you know, some like if you come to the house, you got to be a family member. Right. Yeah. So if you come here and you're being toxic and you're being mean yeah. and you're yelling at people, you got to go. Yeah. Right. And and not in a judgmental way, just say it's just not healthy for the family for you to be here right now. Come yeah. back when you want to treat people with respect. And that is really hard for family members to do, to just tell people to just leave. Right. And know? I've been asked many times to do interventions, which I think that show, screw that show, that wrecked a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But oh, um, mm-hmm. I won't do that. I'll talk with the person who's struggling one-on-one i'll talk with the family one-on-one but 
getting getting together to shame someone into getting better from an illness it'd be just like i mean it, it's just oh it's so heartbreaking well I here can't the even... perfect analogy would be like let's say it happened to ricky mm-hmm. right but the intervention happened with the people who are gambling right right they're sitting there you know making a bet mm-hmm. right and saying or we're at the bar and everyone's having drinks and they're just like adam you're an alcoholic right right why are you why Twitter were you never here? come back you yeah. know mm-hmm. or when people are like getting drunk and they're like i respect you for not drinking like it, there's just it's a it's a it's a form of hypocrisy like do what mm-hmm. i say not what i do right. but it's different because they view you different right you're an alcoholic i'm not an alcoholic so i can drink right and and nobody's trying to make them stop drinking by any means but they're just not the right people right. to have that kind of intervention right mm-hmm. an intervention in my opinion, would look like me and Kirsten sitting in a room just telling our stories and making it nothing about right. them. Right. Yeah. You know, they. that's why people respond to us so much better than a family member who's having a drink telling them to stop drinking. Right. Right. And even though they're not drinking right at that moment, that's what that guy sees. Right. He's like, you drink, why? Mm-hmm. You know, well, because when you drink, you, you, you go to jail. Right. Right. We're like, well, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just a, it's a different conversation. So you mm-hmm. know, family members and they have to find a healthy how to be healthy that's not contingent upon someone else's behavior. Like, um, you have to be healthy no matter what someone else does because you can't control that. Right. And so to have those to work on those healthy boundaries is. And there's Al-Anon, there's just so much help out there mm-hmm. if you're willing to be uncomfortable and willing to take suggestions you don't necessarily believe in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got to lose, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hard part is that they're emotionally connected, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so it's like, sure. you know, prime example is like when my son got sober, right? I, I knew in my head, I was like, I can't be that guy. Mm-hmm. I can't be the guy that's telling him what... You know, I can tell him what recovery is, but I can't be the guy who's like giving him suggestions and guidance and stuff like that. Sometimes on the fly, he'll ask me my opinion on, you know, whatever. But, you know, outside of that, I'm not giving him like his spiritual direction Mm -hmm. or his recovery direction. Because when I do, when because he's my son and I'm emotionally connected to him, I I put a level of expectation on it to the point where I'm like, every time I see him now, we're talking about it. Yeah. Right. Did you go to okay. the meeting? Mm. Did you get a sponsor? Are you, right. are you practicing, pr- you know, or whatever? Why aren't you doing it? You know, where, you know, a guy that I'm not emotionally connected to, someone who asked me to just be that guy in their life, I could, we'll have that conversation and I'll, we probably won't talk about it again until he brings it up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so I'm, because I'm not, I'm not involved. Right. Right. That's the the beauty of mentorship and peer support and whatever is you can have like a really good conversation with someone about change without expectations Mm -hmm. where family members are incapable of doing it. It is 100% incapable and they almost make it worse. Mm -hmm. They do. I'm not going to say almost. They make it worse for someone's recovery when they get involved with their recovery. Because they're scared and desperate and they they think if they make it punitive, (coughs) it will work better. But I think that Addiction has been treated exactly the wrong way for years and years, and um, punishing people with addictions and putting isolating them is it just perpetuates the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the answer is 
connection. Like, uh, like quit. I had to quit using my, I'm, you know, I have social anxiety. I'm an introvert. I had to quit mm-hmm. using that as my excuse to not be involved. Um, cause yeah, I, maybe I do, I probably do have those things, but, um, one of the most common symptoms of addiction is social anxiety. You know what I mean? So right. we're all in the same sinking ship and just to be, uh, open to that. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> interesting fact, maybe it's a fact, maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, Portugal, like 15 years ago about, they decriminalized all drugs from weed to crack, you know, um, and uh, since then, they have had like half the deaths from overdose. They have, oh. you know what I mean? But they took the money they invested in the criminal part of it and put it in connecting. Like they'd pay uh, pay a business this person's wage for a year, you know, so they could get. Anyway, it's just like, huh. like what a novel idea, right? Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. Well, they, I mean, what was it, five years ago? the Department of Corrections in North Dakota had $8 million that they reallocated to human services to create a a program, Free Through Mm -hmm. Recovery. And basically the whole goal of it was, I mean, this was a very simple version of what Portugal did. Mm -hmm. I mean, one program. I mean, Portugal completely forklifted a whole new like system in right where they they made sure that you know police understood the courts understood Mm -hmm. like this is what we're doing we're not punishing anymore right and then so that was different so on our side we're with a very simple program we still had to deal with all the collateral damages that were going on in the other systems while we were trying to do this but even in that 75 percent of like the 1200 people that have been referred to us have stayed out of jail yeah. Right. I'm not saying that 75 percent of them stayed sober. Right. Right. But 75 percent of the people that encountered us, one, did not go back to prison in mm-hmm. the last five years. And then uh, all had an increase of quality for housing, recovery and, and employment and all stayed law abiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so that this 75 percent is what is is the national trend of people going back to prison is 75%, right? So now we just took that 75%, right? And made 75% of that successful. Yeah. You know? And that's incredible. That's that's, crazy. You do have like this wraparound. I just like, I love what you've done with that because it's not about being punitive. It's about like helping them with this illness and through all of the, and just bettering their life with no like, not like how many days do you have? How many, you know, nothing. There is no goal specific. It's just, are you happier? Mm-hmm. Are things better? Mm-hmm. That's without, success. Without that type of program, right? That kind of wraparound peer support, care coordination, then you're just a treatment center, mm-hmm. right? And I would love to see the recidivism results for treatment centers. You don't see them. They don't do them. There's a reason they don't do them, because if they came and said, you know, 5% of the people that come to treatment don't come back to treatment, how many people will go to treatment, right? right? This is the difference. This is why you don't see state-ran, you know, treat. I mean, you see them, but they're not, uh, they're not like, you know, normal, typical for-profit or even non-profit treatment centers or whatever, where they're not pushing out results. They'll say, they'll say, 
they'll send out a survey of like, this is how many people liked treatment. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But they'll <laughs> never say this is how many people are in long-term recovery. Right. But we will, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say like 75% of the people we're working with are not going back to prison. Right. Right. Which means that they're not being charged with drug crimes and they're not being charged with, you yeah. know, deal or whatever. Right. And so and their quality of life is going up where treatment centers and prisons don't necessarily have to talk about quality of life. They're done after they walk out the door. Right? Yeah. And, and so, it's not a 28 day fix. It's just uh, yeah. it's so much bigger than that. And when I was if it uh, was a 28 day fix, why don't we just put treatment in prison? Yeah. For and real. then only put people in prison for 28 days. Yeah, we don't. Mm-hmm. We put them in there for a really long time because right. it is, you know, uh, if it is gonna, like th- there has to be time right. to heal. Yeah. And, try, you know, and stuff. But prison's not the place to do that. Mm-hmm. If we could do that in treatment and put people in treatment for God, I would hate being in treatment for like three, four years. <laughs> but it's got to be at least a year. it's got to be right. something, you know. Yeah. And the guys that I was like before insurance paid for people. The state, uh, when I, in Minnesota at least, would pay for someone to be in a halfway house. And the guys that I was able to keep for a year stayed sober. Mm-hmm. And then insurance took over and it was like, okay, well, why do you need them if they actually have a job? And I'm like, because nothing else is put together. You know what I mean? It's just right. not stable. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's just not ready, you know? I'm interested in having more maybe later of that conversation where the where the treatment center paid for the, is that what you said? They paid for the halfway house? Not the treatment center, the, uh, the state. It was like, oh, yeah, okay. consolidated funding. But now it's all insurance. So. Oh, okay, because I just came across an outpatient place out in Minnesota that will give incentives for paying your your program fees in a halfway house if you continue to do outpatient with them. Wow. I know. And then oh. so I started looking into it and running the numbers. I was like, this is actually possible. Yeah. To... To do a, even a a long term outpatient treatment, right? If it, I mean, I don't know how we would get insurance to pay for it after twelve weeks or whatever. Right. But I mean, the incentive was is that, like if you were going to what's outpatient? That's what uh, nine eight or nine eighteen twenty so thirty six hours of treatment a month, mm-hmm. and you go to all thirty six hours, and then they pay up to three to four hundred dollars for your rent or your program fees that's an incentive to continue to go right right? oh man i mean i think we're gonna do something like that yeah otherwise they end up paying for them again and again and again it's just not yeah probably get i mean you go to insurance companies and be like listen we need to build this Mm -hmm. because you will spend less money on doing insurance you know reimbursements for outpatient and inpatient care later if we can get them you know, to not have to worry about paying their rent right. while they're going. I mean, 36 hours, that's a, that's a part-time job Yeah, it is going to outpatient treatment. And mm-hmm. then, and, and I remember the times when they were like, you need to go to outpatient treatment. I'm like, I got to work. Right. Right. Like I have to pay child support. And they're like, well, you can get a full-time job, you know, and then go to outpatient. So we're talking, you know, I'm working 160 hours a month right. and we just threw 40 hours on top of that. Right. Like, when do I get to be like, when's the self-care? Well, treatment is self-care. I'm not going to see any of these people after I'm done. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, so then they spend most of their time in treatment just telling you to go to AA. (laughs) It's like, you know, you need to get get connected in the community. And I'm like, then why am I here? (laughs) You know, well, you need to learn how to be in recovery. Well, then why should I go there? 
well, because that is recovery. Then why can't I just go there? You know, <laughs> it's like, it's there's just a ton of, in my like, if you don't have peer supports with your treatment center, like a very robust, you know, care coordinators and peer supports and stuff, then you're just another, you're just another, you know, wheel in the system mm-hmm. that's just like, you know, this is why you see insane amount of caseloads. Yeah. You know, where LACs at treatment centers have a caseload of like a hundred people like how are you providing care for people who are doing 40 hours i mean this is just outpatient yeah 40 hours of care you know you're doing 40 hours of paperwork yeah no <laughs> doubt <laughs> i yeah. i feel for lacs i'm not one but i've seen like since we started the treatment center the amount of paperwork and notes mm. and insurance re- like all that stuff i'm just like holy god i couldn't imagine like and then there's just me being a peer support you know, and I just have very little paperwork and I get to really have quality relationships with people in treatment. Yeah. We should, we should The paperwork that. is the down, I mean, it's just like, I get why it's necessary, but, um, but yeah, you're missing that connection, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And yeah, you're trying to word it so that insurance will keep paying for it. It's just, um, it shouldn't be that difficult, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to take a quick little plug break. And so we want to thank uh, Flatline Guitar, excuse me, Flatline Guitar Underwriting for for providing uh, some awesome uh, underwriting for our programming here on KRFFL, PFM, Radio Free Fargo. Uh, Flatline Guitar is your full-service guitar shop and exclusive dealer for Yamaha, Taylor, Paul Reed, Smith Guitars, and other brands. They sell guitars on consignment, they take trade-ins, and have a full-service on-site repair center. Check out Flatline Guitar and Luthery on Facebook. Or you can visit them in person at 1450 25th Street South in Fargo. Their hours are Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. Or, of course, for Adam, Saturdays, 10 to 5, closed on Sundays. It's just been this thing I've been doing since the show started. There's always, whenever there's anything plugged on Saturdays, for Adam specifically. Oh, yeah, I don't do anything on the weekend. Right? I hang out with the kids. I know. Because you do so much during the week. Yeah. That's why they have. Yeah, Saturday thank you, week. Ricky. Yes, I acknowledge. <laughs> 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 and if you're just tuning in, this is uh, F5 Recovery Radio here on KRFF 95.9 LPFM. Uh, this is One Pretty Ricky. We have Kirsten Hoovenin and Adam Martin in the studio, our co-host, super excited, talking about self-care and self-love today on today's show. It's been really good information and a lot of being able to share and kind of, it's always good to like get to know my co-host a little bit more. But so we have another 20-ish minutes or so, so I want to jump into one more question. And this one's probably going to be a little bit deeper, but figured... You know, why not? Why not close it out with something dope and deep? Um, So looking at and thinking about your self-care and your self-love, how does that relate, whether it's you personally or just people that you uh, maybe connect with or sponsorship in the community? What is that spiritual, you know, aspect of your self-care and self-love like? Like for me personally, obviously, I've or not obviously because you guys don't know, um, but I go to church. I volunteer. I do a lot of different things at my church and in a variety of different capacities because it helps me just kind of stay connected to myself, but to my higher power. And, uh, so shout out Prairie Heights. Love that church. And it's been just really good to be able to like put myself into a service in a different way than just helping specific people who might need 
um, help with gambling, but like spiritually helps me spiritually helps other people spiritually being able to do that. But what does your self care or self love look like? I think the people at Prairie Heights think Ricky started at five too, because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll go there and they'll be like, they'll be like, "Hi, what's your name?" I'm like, "I'm Adam." And they're like, "What do you do?" I was like, oh, "I work at F5." I was like, "Oh, you work for Ricky?" <laughs> and it's like, "Sure, sure, I yeah, do." Yeah. <laughs> well played, Ricky. Yeah. Well played. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I think it's a journey. It's a journey, man. Uh, <laughs> You know, because I've I've went through the spirit. I think the spiritual spirituality aspect is pro was the toughest for me, like because it was really it was yeah it okay. was the toughest because it was you know I grew up um, not really knowing much and then mm-hmm. the only time I ever went to church or you know like was you know if my grandma mm-hmm. was around or something and she's like we're going to church and I'm you know. And so my grandma in Breckenridge, we were going to the Catholic church and I was like, this is weird. Like <laughs> we're just sitting here, you know? And then I go with my grandma in Alabama, we go to a Southern Baptist church and they're like, like yelling, mm-hmm, amen. And the preacher's like doing this like fire and brimstone, you know? So I was mm-hmm. just like really confused, like how, you know, the different people were talking about God differently, hmm. you know? So I just yeah. really struggled with, the whole like i guess you know logic of it right because it's funny it's funny the only time i ever talk about logic is when we talk about spirituality like you know nothing else you know <laughs> logically i'm an alcoholic but you know um and so i don't know i struggled with it and then i got really de- deep into it for a while and i actually went to school to like pursue getting yeah. my mdiv and like becoming a pastor right and what's an mdiv a master's master in divinity, divinity. Oh yeah, yeah. They have a whole yeah. That's a, that's program. awesome. Masters thing. in divinity. <laughs> yeah, and I would like do my homework and stuff, and they, it would be like my professor would be like, "You have really great content. Your grammar is horrible." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know what you're saying. I understand. I see all the words. I understand the words, but I don't understand how you put them together. You know, um, and so, but I just <laughs> and then I got like I was drinking and getting religious, and like that was like mm. spending more people to. You know, you're going to go to hell, you know, and like and there's like f- evidence on Facebook of me doing this. You know, like, I've had to like every time memories pop up, I'm like, delete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't know now, like it's kind of like when I got sober, I was just like, I was just like, man, I'm done. Like, I'm mm-hmm. done trying to figure out who you are. Right. I'm done trying to, you know, be right. Mm hmm. And, you know, you're big enough Mm -hmm. that you'll you'll lead me to wherever it is that I'm supposed to be. And and, you know, so I don't spend a ton of time praying for requests. And, you know, I really believe that if he is as big as everyone says, then he knows like then he he will. There's things in front of me that I'm supposed to do. It became more about what I'm supposed to do rather than who he is. Right. You know, and so I go, I, you know, I, I, I particularly love the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think he is the greatest social reformer, criminal justice reformer of mm-hmm. all time. The fact that they were stoning a woman for being a prostitute. Right. And then he stood in front of them mm-hmm. and and just called them on their crap and was like, let the first person who has not sinned cast the first stone and then they just all drop their rocks and walk away. 
And then he turned to her and he's like, now go sin no more. And it was like, you know, he held every, he didn't care who you were, mm-hmm. the attorney general, right? <laughs> or, the, you know, you know, the guy on the street, like right. it, he was, he treated everybody the same. So it was like, you know, super cool. And he didn't, he didn't spend a lot of time talking about the things that our politicians talk about on like, mm-hmm. create, you know, law, you know, was meant to be observed and to, you know, uh, it was a journey. It was like meant to be a journey, like the law, like no one. W- and then they turned it into penalties and punishments. Mm-hmm. And then they put rules on top of them. And we just kind of corp, we just made it corporate. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, I, I take kind of like what it says in the big book with Bill Wilson. He's like, to Christ, I conceded a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. And I took what I could and it disregarded the rest. So it was like mm-hmm. the things that were really hard for me, mm-hmm. I was just like, it's, I'm just, maybe I'm just not there yet to like really understand that. Okay. Um, and so I look at him as a criminal justice reformer mm-hmm. and I try to like be like that. Yeah. So you remind me of Jesus. <laughs> nice to whores and usually followed by 12 rejects. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh. Oh. <clears throat> She can say that. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, I was always interested in your interest in religion um, just because it was such a turnoff when I first came. Like, the, just the fact that they even said God was just, mm-hmm. it, you know really? what I mean? And you know something, like, oh, yeah. it was just, like, so, like, why do they have to be so hateful? And, you know, what I, but that's, mm-hmm. like, Old Testament you know, like burning bush, but there's antibiotics for that, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So, um, but once you get, uh, I like, because that. I had such an adverse reaction, I, it was something in me, you know what I mean? I should have been able to just be like, well, it is what it is. That's cool. I'm going to find my yeah. path. So it took me 20 years to even come to a place where I was comfortable with wow. a spiritual connection. And that's yeah. still really got nothing to do with it's just energetic and Mm -hmm. it's just be a good person you know what i mean and um let just let things happen and Mm -hmm. all the and things happen you know right um so i still don't know exactly what it is but i know that i feel most spiritually connected when i'm talking with someone else Mm -hmm. you know like adam was saying like talking with someone on a meaningful level Mm -hmm. and um and that's where I see, mm-hmm. you know, you see that cool. spirit or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you don't see a lot. I mean, there are some recovery groups that really emphasize it, right? And almost so much that they've kind of created their own sect, right? Like whether it's like recovery worship or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, but for the most part, th- I think that the three things that recovery groups did was they stayed out of politics, right? They created like traditions for it. Like, you know, I have no opinion on outside issues. Mm -hmm. And then the the higher power aspect where it was like, we're not we have no monopoly here on this. Like you can you can believe whatever you want. We're just here for recovery. And then the third one was like that, you know, staying anonymous, Mm -hmm. you know, like the three, the three, those three are powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. In the sense of like, it's it's not about me when I'm here. Yeah. You know, and. And we're, and I'm and I have no opinion on on anything that you believe. Like you can believe what you want to believe, right? And then if you ask me for my opinion, that's you know different. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not going into meetings and talking about Jesus. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not going in there and talking about what I do in the professional world or or it, and and I'm not making it about me. Like that's kind of the general consensus of people in recovery and why I think it makes it so easy for people to like be there. Mm-hmm. Cuz once it becomes po- politics or, or a certain religious belief and right. and you're the guy that needs to talk about it, mm-hmm. then you're not going it's just it breaks. Right. Well, then I think it just because then it so when I think of like spirituality and the spirit and all of that, it just because it doesn't seem attainable because it does seem far out there. It's like, OK, this is something I can continue to always pursue, always, you know, seek after. And and it could be because I was raised, you know, very, I mean, Pentecostal, like it was it was ingrained like it was like your family's Pentecostal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. My what dad was. That? A, How is that different? It's speaking is tongues. Yeah, speaking yeah. tongues. Uh-huh. You're drunk on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like you just see people so are they laid like, out. Are they like charismatic Pentecostals? Yeah. Yep. Like charismaniac? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It yeah. Was, yep. Very small church, <laughs> but it was. You've never been to no, like never. I call. I mean, there's no real term charismaniac. It's just yeah. it's a term that I like. People who are extremely Pentecostal, like mm-hmm. you know, they think that uh, like proof of being in some in some circles, they think proof of being saved is that you speak in tongues, mm-hmm. right? And I cool here. Yeah. Listen, I went to yeah, (laughs) I went to a Pentecostal church and 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 they were like, you know, they they brought this speaker in. And this is a great story because (laughs) I I am so dumbfounded by this moment. But he was like, they're like, everybody stand up. And I was like, oh, participation. And (laughs) and so then we I stand up and he just starts speaking in tongues. Right. Right. And 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 then he looks at he's like, we're going to find what everybody's spiritual gift is today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Ooh, money. And they're like, that's not what spiritual gifts are. And so they're like, come around and he starts speaking in tongues. And then he like tap you on your forehead and then you just like fall over. And then when you like came back up, you'd know what your gift is, whether it's like speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues Mm -hmm. or uh, music or whatever. And so uh, they get, you know, I'm in this line and they're like, he's like tapping all these people on the forehead and they're all falling over. And then they're like speaking in tongues. I was like, oh my goodness. And so then he comes to me. And I'm a Baptist, okay? And so, like, I don't necessarily believe in in what they're doing or whatever. Today, I'm like, man, who knows, yeah, right? Like, right. anything's yeah. possible. Yeah. And he he comes up to me and starts speaking in tongues, and then he, like, taps me on the head, and, and I don't fall down, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and then he, like, me, and then he, like, tapped, he, like, put, he put his fingers on my head, and he started, like, pushing me backwards and I started like moving forward and it was just like this battle of like good and evil happening right at this moment. Finally he was just like all right and then he just like moved on and I was like that's it like we're not gonna go there but right before that before I knew this was going to happen the guy like started speaking and then he started speaking in tongues and then everybody got up right and so I'm like standing up and then he just yells loose right Mm. and everyone fell down except for me right and i look around i was like i'm new i'm new and i like, <laughs> got down on the ground and i was like i don't and i looked over at the guy mm-hmm. and i was like what do we do and he's like just go with it bro mm-hmm. and i was like this is crazy yeah. but and yeah but i walked cool. away from that not judging it but just wishing that i was so faithful yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like i could just like be okay with like Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I have a I have a, a fond respect for Pentecostals mm. for a couple of reasons. They're so faithful. 
mm-hmm. that even if like the ones I've talked to, even if they have a hard time believing mm-hmm. what's happening, they still participate in yeah. it. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is like them, them going out and like, and preaching the gospel mm-hmm. and like trying to like get people to come to church with them and stuff. Evangelism by far, there's not another religion in the world that does it as good as them. Yeah. Like so much faith. Mm-hmm. Like it is crazy. Like door to door. No, not like, like Mormons or, or, or the Jehovah witnesses do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like more Mormons, but, and that's really faithful too. Like right. being able to just go knock on yeah. strangers doors and talk and I'll invite them in and we'll talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, like going like open air preaching, like mm-hmm. going out onto the streets and like preaching on the corners oh, yeah. and stuff and having, you know, uh, like going into when I was in Minneapolis and going to this church, we went to a mosque and we would walk through and mm-hmm. just have and they'll Muslims will talk about Jesus all day long. They love talking about that mm-hmm. stuff. And so it was it was like a whole new world. Oh, for my me. gosh. Like, yeah. yeah. That's what really got me to go to 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 want to be a pastor was just like how faithful that group of yeah. people were. Yeah. So that's my story about it's the Pentecostals. Yeah, <laughs> but What's and your that's gift, of, Ricky? Yeah, that was, I think, music? every... Is yeah, it music? Music, but, or in the, uh, I think it's First Corinthians that talks about, you know, your gifts, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, but the biggest one, I think, that every Pentecost, or at least that you kind of develop, is the gift of faith. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this idea, you know, obviously believing in something bigger than yourselves, that no matter what, no matter what the situation is, the thing will always turn around and that was one of the biggest things that I'm so thankful for my mom having because when I was li- like at the lowest 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 point just her faith just kind of helped you know kind of revive that everything is going to be okay and I'm like ma you don't know what's going on in my life and all these things she's like I don't care yeah. like that that just that gift of faith it was just so significant or that her gift of faith was so significant that it was like, okay, well now I have to believe that. Okay. If you're clearly believing that things are going to be all right and that I'm going to be okay. And that I shouldn't just take my life and shouldn't just, you know, just end it because I'm like, this is going to never going to get better. Like if you believe that strongly, then I should just take that. And I think it was just, it just kind of was just this reminder and this trigger of like, Oh yeah, I need to remember that, that everything is just going to sell itself out exactly as it goes. And as long as I continue to just, you know, just exist you know things will will be there and I'll, I'll just find my path and crazy enough five years later getting involved with that five meeting adam all the things that just came just because i stayed alive because yeah. my mom was like it's going to be okay just it's just absolutely crazy yeah. i'm so thankful and there's for, like for different like yeah. sex within the pentecostal movement yep. too mm-hmm. right so then because like, there's like some that are more conservative where like if someone stands up in the middle of church and starts just randomly speaking in tongues yeah the pastor will stop them and say is there anyone here that can interpret this message because there's a gift in interpretation yep. no and kidding. and if mm-hmm. there's no one they'll make that person sit down yep and then in some other church a whole congregation will stand up mm-hmm. and start speaking in tongues you know yeah. like it's it's because kind of like i was speaking in english to you and you understand what i'm saying having the the gift of holy spirit being able to have discernment to be able to say or interpretation excuse me to be able to say okay this is what this person like in, interpreting the same way if i was speaking spanish and mm-hmm. someone interpreted that in the english for you to understand someone does that same thing yeah yeah and then in That's some circles they think it's like an angelic language so it's yeah. not meant to be like not like you're it's not meant to be like a normal language or whatever and like yep. there's Direct supposed to be a person God. there that can interpret it and yeah. like relay it to and this all falls down to back in in what uh 
what what book was it? It was it, an axe. It wasn't an axe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because they like the Holy Spirit comes in and they're all of a sudden there's like people standing up and speaking in tongues. And then people who didn't speak the same language as them could now understand the gospel because they were speaking it in, in their, their language. language. That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could have been there. So, yeah. yeah. So we got two minutes. So you guys want to close out with anything you want to share before mm -hmm. we get out? Of I want to show you what Kirsten gave me. Yep. <clears throat> she brought cookies. Well, if you're on the radio, <laughs> they, they look good. So if you're on Facebook Live, and then she gave me this little, so that she gave me cookies, and then she gave me this is like I should not have to put that in my mouth. And it's a picture of me. Yeah, should not have put that in your mouth. It's mints. Oh, it's mints. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, and Ricky got one too. <laughs> I don't even know if I can say this. Right. Just show it, Becker Mints. Uh, <laughs> Where's yours? Oh, you didn't make one for no, yourself? You just I wanted to make fun of us? I'm too classy. Yeah. All right. So we'll end with, uh, um, you know, the lessons today that we learned is that if your family try and, and you want to support your one who's incarcerated or dealing with addiction <laughs> or mental health, help them get connected to people that have experience in it. Try not to shame them. Try to ignore the negative behavior. Be graceful. And there's help for you, too. And yeah. there's help for you, too. You can come to the Ridge and on Wednesdays, I believe, and do family group. Um, but just get connected at F5 or the Ridge. Giving Heart stays tomorrow. Remember, I don't know if Radio Free Fargo is a, are they a participant? Remember Radio Free Fargo for Giving Heart Stay, F5 Project, and all the other nonprofits tomorrow. And tune in next week when we, this is F5 Recovery Radio. We're going to be talking about relationships and family. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is One Pretty Ricky. I'm joined with Kirsten Hoovenen, Adam Martin. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. See you then.